0: Turn, if you will, to Exodus chapter number 33. We're going to continue on from last week where we were. Exodus 32. Let's see. Well, we're going to kind of look at 32 a little bit and 33. We'll be preaching out of 33. Last week, we, we looked at a, a church service. I kind of summarized it like that. You know, we're in the Old Testament. They didn't, it's not New Testament, but look back and see two different approaches to God. And Moses is up on the mountain. They've they've escaped out of Egypt, and they're in the wilderness, and God's talking to Moses, and Mo, God's giving the law to Moses. He's up on the mountain with God, and God wrote with his own finger that into these tablets. And uh, what happened, it kind of reminded me of when I was a kid. And uh, uh, I was over at my dad's, and there with my stepmom, and dad went out shopping with my stepmom, and dad always kept things a little close to the vest for what he was doing. He would be doing something for you, but he never really told you about it until it was happening, you know. He didn't, you know, under-promise and over-deliver is what he liked to do. So uh, my uh, stepbrother was working on a kite, a a homemade kite, you know, And unbeknownst to us, Dad had gone out, and he bought the materials for it and everything. But while he was gone, my stepbrother said, hey, would you like to see the attic? You know, I'm younger than him. I said, yeah, that'd be neat. And so he pulls down a ladder to the attic, and I go up in there, and I'm looking around. And that was when I found out that the flooring in the attic ain't as solid as the flooring in the house. And I put my foot through the sheetrock. And I remember Dad coming home, and he's got that bag. You know, there ain't no covering that up. Uh, you can sweep up and there. You're still going to have the hole. Dad comes home, and he's got that bag, and he's got the sticks, and he's got the material for the kite and everything. Well, John, <laughs> you know, I went and, bought, and he's got the hole up there. And I just remember that. Not a lot of details about what Dad said. He wasn't a cusser or a yeller. But uh you know he he was upset with it. And I think about that sometimes when I read about Moses coming down from the mountain and he's got the tablets there and uh Joshua says I hear a noise of war. And God's already talked to Moses. He said, "No, it's not the it's not the noise of war." And he says a bunch of people acting up. But uh last week just to kind of review over here in chapter 32 When Moses was gone for a while, the people wanted to worship God. So they came up with a way to worship God. They came up with gods to worship, to give credit for what God had done. We looked over there in Romans a little bit. But uh, we see what they did. Number one, and I'm not going to do the whole sermon, don't get nervous. But number one, and when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, make up us gods which shall go before us for as this man Moses the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt we what not has become of him so they put Aaron in charge you know they put the youth pastor in charge they have a church split and they decide to form their own church you like how I just throw that on there and for anybody listening no we haven't had that happen to us but <laughs> that's for the online people but uh they began to form their own church, and we saw that they were willing to work for it. They gave credit to the man. They were willing to sacrifice for their new church. They were willing to work for their church. They built the, the uh, Aaron carves the the calves, the golden calves. He melts all their gold. They were willing to sacrifice all their earrings and everything that they got out of Egypt. And Aaron melts them down, and he builds a calf. And I love how he tells the Lord, he tells Moses, he said, well, I just, you know, the, the gold went into the fire and out jumped his calf. You know, that's kind of how, you know, that's kind of how we are, right? I mean, how many times have you seen, like on TV or maybe somebody you've known, well, we never meant to cheat, you know, it just happened, you know? We were, we were just together in the same room and out jumped this alternate relationship, you know? That's kind of the way people are. That's the way we are about things. And uh, they were willing to offer Verse number six says, and they rose up early on the morrow and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings, and the people sat down to eat, to drink, and rose up to play. And man always adds in, you know, what he wants to do there. It's all about what he wants to do. So this morning, I want to take a look at the other side of the coin, and I want to see how Moses approaches God, because Moses should be our model, you know, not the people of Israel. You say, well, I already knew that. Well, that's all right, it doesn't hurt to be reminded. You might be going astray. I might be stopping you from going astray. All right, chapter number 33. As a result of all this, now Moses gets angry. And Moses melts down all the gold. He sprinkles it across the water, and he makes them drink the water. And there's a, I think there was 3,000 men that got killed that day. So God's wrath was given out. And, uh, but to Moses, this is the worst part. Okay, what we're about to read here. So look at verse number 34 of chapter 32, and then we'll move on to 33. And uh, uh, verse 33, and the Lord said unto Moses, and this is chapter 32, verse number 33, and the Lord said unto Moses, whosoever hath sinned against me, him will I blot out of my book. Now right there, we could go and talk about God's book, but it's all throughout the Bible, and we see it in the, we see it in uh, Revelation, in God's you know, whosoever is not written in the Lamb's book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And the question is, are you written in God's book? You are if you've accepted Jesus Christ. And the Lord said unto Moses, whosoever has sinned against me, him will I blot out of my book. Therefore now go, lead the people unto the place which I have spoken unto thee. Behold, now pay attention to this part. God made a promise to him that he would take them into the promised land, that he would take them into a land filled with milk and honey, but something's changing right here and God's making that change because of what they had done. He says, uh," he said, behold, mine angels shall go before thee. Nevertheless, in the day when I visit, I will visit their sin upon them. There's a certain fearful looking for the judgment of God. Amen. And the Lord plagued the people because they made the calf, which Aaron made. God was mad about it. God had just written with his own finger on the tablets, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And uh, and he, he had the law written down and said, uh, And I will drive out. And the Lord said unto Moses, chapter number 33, Depart and go up hence, thou and the people which thou hast brought up out of the land of Egypt. <clears throat> Now he's saying, you've brought them out, Moses, and you're going to lead them. And uh, unto the land which I swear unto Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, saying, unto thy seed will I give it. Now, this is a parenthetical statement. This means this isn't necessarily relevant to this. I'm telling you something about Sunday school. Keep that in your head. Unto Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, because we're going to talk about that in Sunday school next week about God's promise being handed down, okay? And he said, uh, saying unto thy seed will I give it. This is probably, I think this is a verse we're gonna be referring to. And I will send an angel before thee and I will drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite unto a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, God's keeping his promise. But there's one big difference here. Now, let me ask you something. We want God to keep his promise, right? But there's something that God's taken away in keeping this promise. And it's right here in this verse. And God's taken away something very important. And it's something we should look at as a church. God can bless. He can keep a promise. Maybe he's made a promise to you about something. And he can keep that. And here he's made the promise to take them into the land of milk and honey. He's made the promise that they'll go. But he's changed something right here in this verse. And he says, Unto a land flowing with milk and honey, verse number three, For I will not go up in the midst of thee, for thou art a stiff-necked people, lest I consume thee in the way. Now, this also goes to the Sunday school. I can't help myself, right? Because we went to Judges chapter one to see where they got away. They got away in chapter 33 here. God was about done with them here in chapter 32. They didn't even make it in Numbers and Deuteronomy. Amen? All right. Now, I'm, if you were there, you know what I'm talking about. If you're not, come to Sunday school and find out. I'm going to keep pushing it. All right. So, for thou art a stiff-necked people, lest I consume thee in the way. God says, if I go with you, <laughs> you're just going to be killed. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill you. I can't. It. You ever heard of mother? So, Matt, just, just go. I'm about to tear you. Just go. Maybe y'all never heard that. I don't know. We didn't have a woodshed, but I knew, I knew what that was about when I learned about them. All right. And when the people heard these evil tidings, they mourned, and no man did put it on him his ornaments. They, they mourned about They hear God's not going with them. Now, think about how they got out of Egypt, because God calls Moses, God's in the bush, and he says, I'm calling you, Moses, to lead the people out of Egypt. And Moses begins to give excuses. He said, but, I, but this, but this, but, 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 and finally, he says, but I can't talk. Send somebody else, and God says, I'll send Aaron to go with you, but you're going to be the one leading them out. Aaron can talk for you, but you're going to be the one leading them out. And, you know, God finally had enough. And through all of that, Moses knew that it was God that delivered them. So when Moses walked into Pharaoh and he said, let my people go, and all the plagues came, and Moses did the staff, he knew that that wasn't from him. He knew that that was from God. And now God's rejecting them. He's saying, I'm going to send the angel. You're going to go into your promised land, but I'm not going with you. And I just can't, I'll, I'll just kill you. I can't be with you. So Moses does some things here, and we're just going to kind of go over them. Said, and when verse number four, when these people, when the people heard these tidings, they mourned, and no man did put on him his ornaments. For the Lord has said unto Moses, Say unto the children of Israel, You are a stiff-necked people. I will come into, up into the midst of thee in a moment and consume thee. Therefore, now put off thy ornaments. Look at uh, verse number seven. And Moses took the tabernacle and pitched it without the camp afar off from the camp and called it the tabernacle of the congregation. So before, God was dwelling in the midst of Israel. Now Moses takes the tabernacle outside the camp and away from them. And you say, how does that apply to me? Well, let me tell you something. When you get out of fellowship with God, he's going to pull back. You know, the Bible says, quench not the spirit. Does anybody know what that feels like? When you get out of God's will, when you get so far away from God, it's like, man, I remember how it used to be. I remember being on my knees in prayer. I remember, I remember walking with God, and I remember seeing him answer prayer, but I just hadn't seen it in so long. I remember that. But you, you come to that point, and you look back, there's something that got in the way. Maybe you set up your own worship. Maybe you just got involved and just, you're, you're just doing things your way or you're just, I don't know what. You get involved in sin, but God, you begin to quench the spirit. And I just think about it like a glass. The Holy Spirit just kind of gets smaller with any smaller with Because the Bible talks about be filled with the spirit. Amen. And when you begin to pour dirt into a glass, there's less room for the Holy Spirit. That's just a picture of it. Quench not the spirit of God. And so, here God moves outside of the camp. He's no longer in their midst. Now they're going to be on their own. God said, I'll still defeat all the enemies, but you're going without me. You're going to be on your own. And let me tell you something. Nothing makes you miss God like him pulling back. Nothing makes you miss that fellowship like him pulling back. All right. So he, he pulls the tabernacle without, and then he prays. And there's time. There's a, there's a waiting period. There's something that goes on there. Moses is in the tabernacle when people need to talk to him. Moses would come in and out of the tabernacle. Joshua stayed within the tabernacle. He didn't leave it. But Moses would come in and out. And then it reaches a point, and we get Moses' prayer here, and this is the part of the sermon here. Because Moses prays for three things here. And the first thing that we're going to see is Moses praying for himself. Okay? Now we're contrasting this to their approach. I mean, their approach, they had church, man. I mean, they set up the altar, they set up the building, they sacrificed their time, they sacrificed their they had it all set up and they were having church out there in the wilderness, but it wasn't the way God wanted it. Now Moses' approach doesn't show him really building anything. Just shows him spending time with the Lord here. Amen. Look at verse number 11. Well, let's back up a little bit. Verse number 9 for context. And it came to pass, as Moses entered the tabernacle, the cloudy pillar descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses. And all the people saw the cloudy pillar standing at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose up and worshipped every man in his tent door. You ever been waiting for daddy to come home to whip you? I know I've talked a lot about whippings today. I mean, they messed up. They see that pillar, that cloud. It used to be in the midst of them. Now it's outside. And it's away from them. And they're seeing, you know, Hebrews talks about uh, for there remaining no sacrifice for sins, you know, and over the years, but it goes on to say, but a certain fearful looking for the judgment of God, I'm not applying that in direct context, but when you're out of God's will, that's really all you had to look for. isn't it? Is You're not looking for rewards. You're wondering what the judgment's going to be. And there they are outside the tent, and they're watching that pillar of cloud, and they're worshiping, and they're turning toward the Lord. Nothing will get you on their knees, you know, like that. And there's just a certain fearful looking for the judgment of the Lord. But Mo- Moses is in there, Verse number 11, it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend. To me, those are some of the sweetest words in the Bible. Amen? Because there Moses was speaking to, as to a friend to God. You know, and you say, well, I'm not Moses. I'm not in the tent. I'm not up on the mount Sinai. But let me tell you something, through Jesus Christ... We have an advocate with the Father. We can speak to the Father. Jesus said, whosoever has seen me has seen God. And we may not see Jesus face to face, but we see him in his word. Mm -hmm. So let's look at this prayer. It said, and he turned again unto the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man departed not out of the tabernacle. And verse 12 starts it off. And Moses said unto the Lord, see... Thou sayest unto me, bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know whom thou, whom thou wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. Moses is saying, and, and I'm just kind of translating a little bit. Moses is saying, Lord, you sent me here. You sent me to lead these people. But I, I don't know who you want to go. I don't know who you're mad at, who you're going to take out. I don't I don't know what your will is. And then he prays. And he says, And thou hast, let, thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me, yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. He knows that he's in God's hands. He knows that he's in God's will, he said, but... I don't know what your will is for the next step. So he prays for himself here. And he says, verse 13, Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way that I may know thee. I want to look at that. Show me now thy way that I may know thee. If you look over in Second uh, Peter chapter 1, and uh, if you can turn with me there, Second Peter chapter number one. Because Moses is talking to God and he's praying for God's will. And one of the things we struggle with as Christians, I say I'm not supposed to be a wee wee preacher, but one of the things you struggle with as a Christian, first Peter or Second Peter chapter one, is knowing God's will. And you say, well, you know, that's the Old Testament. Moses was talking to God face to face as a man talking to his friend. How does that apply to me? How can I hear from God? How can I know what God wants for me? How can I know God's? And I know Miss Johnny's way ahead of me on this, but y'all follow me on this, all right? Because Peter is going to remember being up on the Mount of Transfiguration. If y'all heard my up, y'all remember this. Peter was up on the Mount of Transfiguration and he heard that voice from heaven saying, Behold, this is my son. And and verse uh, 16, look at verse 16. It says, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. And now he's going to go back and recount this. We were made eyewitnesses of his majesty because God declared it right there. He said, for he received from God, the Father, honor and glory. When there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And they all heard the voice and they were there on the mountain. And imagine hearing God's voice out loud. Imagine God clearly saying something to you. Imagine God clearly pointing out his will to you, right? If if only we could hear God tell us what to do. If only we had that pillar of fire and that pillar, uh, that cloud to follow, you know, we could see his glory and we could just walk that way. How great, it was. and I would follow God wherever he goes, right? That's what we say. And he says, For he received from God the Father honor and glory. Verse number 18, And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. How many of you are already ahead of me? I'm dragging this out. Verse number 19, he says, we have have also a more sure word of prophecy. So there's something better than that. There's a more sure word than actually hearing the voice of God saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Peter's saying, we have also a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Well, what is this? What is this more sure word of prophecy? Look at verse 20. He said, Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. I I don't think I'm getting out of line to say. It wasn't all put together then. But Peter's looking at the Old Testament. And when Peter preached, he pointed back to the Old Testament. He pointed back to David. You know, David's sepulcher is over here and he's yet dead. And he's quoting David in the Psalms and pointing to Jesus Christ. He's using the scripture. They point to Jesus Christ. Stephen was up there and he points to the scripture and they point to Jesus Christ over there in chapter number seven when he gets stoned to death, when Israel rejects Jesus. But is saying, we have also a more sure word of prophecy. And God has preserved that. God has put it together. Do you know how many times this has been destroyed? How many people have died for believing in this book? no no scripture is a private interpretation Uh, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost and that's that's, that's the Bible telling us God was in every scripture that was written man's personality was in it but God moved on them as they wrote and then he goes on but Back to Exodus chapter 33, Moses is there. He's asking for God's will. You want to know God's will? Also over there in Second Peter, it talks about adding to your faith, virtue, and adding to virtue, knowledge. That's knowing God's word. And that's what we were doing this morning at Sunday school. We were looking at God's word and to see what it says about how God deals with a Jew. Now imagine a religion, and I have trouble understanding this. When I look at, when I've looked at, uh, New age, when I've looked at things like that. I remember when I was in San Diego and I was in California, I had some questions, you know, and I'd go down and they had this little outdoor place with all the different stores. I went into one store and they sold crystals. This crystal does this, this crystal does that, this crystal does this. I had one question in my mind. How do you know? How do you know what this crystal does? Who determined... This first crystal does this. Who figured that out and how'd they figure that out? Yet the same people that believe that have trouble believing something that was written down and preserved down through the ages. Same thing with witchcraft. How do you know that this does that? What told you that? You've got this, you've got that. Somebody wrote a book in the 80s and you're following that? Well, we have something that was written that tells us about the dawn of time. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God. Amen. We have also a more sure word of prophecy. And Moses said unto the Lord, see thou sayest unto me, bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. He said, now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight. Knowing God's word is knowing God's will. Mm -hmm. Write that on your heart. And consider that this nation is thy people. Moses, he's praying for God to equip him. When God puts you in a position, and and Moses, he realizes God was the one that led him out of Egypt. And God has just taken his presence from him. And he's asking, show me your will, Lord. Lord. These are your people. This, this was your project. This is what you had in mind. I was reading about Curtis Hudson, and, and I just couldn't find a single quote or anything. But I, you know, uh, Curtis Hudson, he was, uh, no, excuse me, Hudson Taylor. I get that mixed up. You look it up and say I'm a liar. Hudson Taylor was a missionary to China. Before he went over to China, well, after everything, he wrote a book called Retrospect, and he tells about his preparation. He knew God was moving him to go to China. And he knew that was God's will. And he knew that when he got over to China, because in those days there, there wasn't internet, there wasn't, you know, there wasn't Cash App and all that. Hudson Taylor knew that when he got over there, it would be him and the Lord. He didn't know what was ahead of him, had no idea, didn't even have National Geographic to watch, because this was like in the late 1800s. And and in preparation for going over there, he said, Lord, I want to be able to rely on you. I need you to increase my faith. And he went through a series, I'll call it exercises, that's not what it was, but he, he put his hands in God's hands. He worked for a doctor who was absent-minded. The doctor always told him, remind me when it's time to pay you, because the doctor had a lot of things going on. And he said, Lord, I want you to remind him. And he talks about how he just got so close and how he, he was eating. He was eating pretty thin there because he didn't have the money. And it even came up time in, in he, he was asked to go and pray for somebody or to, to minister to them. And he had actually gotten some money out of that that gave him enough for the next meal. And, and he was just trusting the Lord for each step of the way. And it was getting down to where the rent was going to have to be paid. And he's like, Lord. And all he had to do was remind the doctor and he'd be paid. And he said, Lord, you're going to have to remind him. And he's sitting over there, and the doctor said, you know, Hudson, I don't, your wages are due. I don't think I've paid you. He said, but I've already deposited all the money in the bank. You know, they didn't have cash after. They didn't have credit cards. And he said, uh, <clears throat> he said well, well, we'll get it later. Well, he needed that money pretty soon because he was about to get kicked out if he didn't pay his rent. But he said, Lord, I'm going to trust you because I, when I get over there, there's not going to be any backup. I have to trust you. And this is where Moses was. He says, Lord, I, I have to trust you. You put me in this position, not blaming him, but he's saying, these are your people. These, this is a promise that you made, Lord, and I need you to equip me for this. And it came down to the, the last thing, and the doctor had left. And then the doctor came back He said, you know, it was the strangest thing. One of, one of my wealthier patients, he felt compelled to pay me. It's after hours and everything, but he couldn't go to bed until he paid me. And uh, he didn't say anything about paying Hudson. I mean, yeah, Hudson Taylor, he didn't say anything about paying him. But then he's, uh, you know, and he's just listened like an outsider, he said. He's just hearing in the story, yeah, that's, that's pretty strange. And then the doctor said, you know what, go ahead and take this. I don't have the to change. We'll settle it up the next time, but go ahead and take this for your wages. And there, the Lord took care of it. Mm-hmm. And he learned to rely on it time and time again. You know the story of George Muller. Well, when God sends you on something, you need to rely on God to equip you. Now contrast that with the church service where they did everything. They set it all up. They worshipped. They rose. They sat down to. They they. they we'll get it. They worshipped. They sat down to eat and drink, and they rose up to play. All right. So prayer for himself. And uh, Moses said on. Oh, uh, said, Now therefore I pray, if I found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, that I may know thee, that I may find grace, grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. And he said, and this is the Lord, My presence shall go with thee. Now he's talking to Moses. God said, My presence will go with you. He doesn't say anything about the Israel. He doesn't say anything about the other people. He said, I'm not going to leave you, Moses. I'll go with you. But see, this isn't good enough for Moses. And it shouldn't be good enough for us. Because Moses begins to pray. And, uh, but his, his reaction, and he said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. There's a promise there, a rest at the end. And he said unto him, If thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. And you've heard me quote this. And, and I think about this, when I'm witnessing to somebody, or when I get up to preach, or when I get, and when I get up to teach, or when I get up to do, Lord, if you're not with me, because I've gotten up sometimes and it just felt like the Lord said, help yourself, son. See how it works out. And you've seen me. You've seen me stop and say, Lord, you got me. I need your help. And uh, he's saying, if you're not going with us, Lord, we don't, I don't want the promised land. If your presence isn't with us, it's not even worth having. You're going to give us everything we promised, but you're not going to come with us. I don't want to go. He said, If thy presence go not with us, go not with me, carry us not up hence. Now Moses does something here in verse number 16, and he begins to change it over to us. And he says, For wherewith shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not in that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. You know what makes you different from everybody else as a Christian? It's not because you go to church. It's not because you show up to volunteer for things. It's not because you pack shoe boxes. The thing that separates you as a Christian is the presence of God. And when you realize that in your life, and when you realize that, that, that no amount of Of wearing the hat or no amount of clean language or no amount of anything. Yeah, you should have clean language. You should wear the hat, whatever. But doing it without the Lord, it was, it's Pharisees. They said, you're whited sepulchers. You're you're all pretty on the outside. You go down to Galveston, you know, and you see or New Orleans and you see those above ground mausoleum, man, ornate, you know, got the wrought iron gate and all that and got statues around it, all pretty and everything, white on the outside, but inside are dead men's bones. So the thing that separates them, and Moses said, how shall they know that we're your people if you don't go with us? He says, and found grace now, is it not in that thou go with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken. If you go with us. So he begins to extend the promise. Lord, you've promised to go with me. Please go with us as a people. He said, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. Now let me tell you something God, the only reason that he was merciful to Israel, the only reason that he forgave them for bringing up those idols, those calf, and worshiping that and giving that credit for delivering them when it was God that did all of that. The only reason, and God was ready to get rid of them, he was ready to demolish them, smite them, was for Moses' sake. And let me tell you something, the only reason that God is merciful to you, the only because you deserve to be smited, because you deserve death, You deserve everything, the judgment, the wrath of God, but the only reason is for Jesus' sake. When you're covered under the blood, all God sees is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. It's nothing that you've done, not by works which we have done, but by his mercy. So I'm going to finish it there. Next week we might, if the Lord allows, we'll talk about God's glory that Moses saw.